0: duty
1: Hello 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 and welcome to the Red Line presented by Isles Fix your only daily New York Islanders newsletter subscribe at islesfix.substack.com I am David Tuckman Joined by my partner in crime, Phil Farber, and we are going to be here talking hockey all season long. Mostly Islanders hockey, but we'll do our best to cover the entire NHL. Phil, the season is upon us. How are you? Are we excited?
0: We're very excited. It's good to be back with you. We haven't done one of these in a while. Excited to get this one going. I know the first time we did a podcast was two seasons ago, and that season went up in flames. Uh, Last year, slightly better results. This year, I'm I'm feeling optimistic about this group. I like the opening. uh, I like the team that we assembled over a year. I think that this opening night roster is going to be better than what we've had in years past and uh, looking forward to a good season covering the Islanders with you.
1: Yeah, shout out to our, our, uh, our good friend, BD Golf, who uh, is not going to be joining us this year, but it'll be Phil and myself uh, doing this podcast all year long. Of course, you can follow us on Twitter. He is at Phil's Facts. I am at Tuck on Sports. If you have any questions, comments, you want to join the show, uh, we love to people, people to participate with us. So let's get right into it. Um, the Lou haters out there, the Lou detractors out there, they're looking at it going, what are you talking about? It's the same lineup that barely made the playoffs and lost in the first round, Phil.
0: Same lineup. I mean, there's two schools of thought on this, right? There's the, the, you have the detractors and the haters that can kind of look at it somewhat rationally and say, okay, maybe we didn't have Horvat and Engvall all season, but what we do know is where we left off is more or less with this roster, minus Zach Parise, plus either Oliver Wallstrom or Julian Gauthier, And it wasn't enough to beat Carolina, which I think is a flawed argument to begin with, because if you would tell me that you wouldn't take the Boston Bruins lineup that they had last year and roll them out again, even though they lost in the first round, I'd say you're an idiot. So I don't think that round one playoff results have any indication, any implication on what you want to do in terms of presenting that same group out there. Then you've got the people who just refuse to acknowledge and admit that for the first 50 games of last season, they had Anthony Beauvillier and Josh Bailey as permanent staples in their top six to atrocious results, along with a mix of huge injuries to players like Pellic players like Barzal. I mean, you had your best defenseman and your best forward each miss more than 25% of the season, along with a whole other laundry list of injuries. And this year, we're going to be coming in finally with what seems to be a perfect ideal line mate for Barzell and Beau Horvat, and the two of them seem to have generated some chemistry in some of these preseason games here. Pierre Engvall, who I think represents a significant upgrade over Anthony Beauvillier on that second line with Brock Nelson and who achieved tremendous results on ice with both Nelson and Palmieri, whom we hope will be better soon. And, you know, if you look a little bit further down the lineup, I think there's some intriguing options between Hudson Fashing, between Julian Gauthier, um, who can help maybe not only mitigate the loss of Zach Parise, but bring a different element, an element of speed and transition play that this team has so desperately needed and lacked over the past several seasons.
1: Yeah, we'll get into all of that in a second. You know, it's interesting. Unlike a lot of other general managers out there, Lou tends to do his work during the season, uh, whether it be in January, whether it be in February. I don't think, unless unless I'm mistaken, I don't believe that Lou has made a trade deadline acquisition and not resigned that player. Right?
0: Nothing of significance. I think the only actual player. I mean, it's been two. It's been Travis Zajac who ended up retiring. Okay. And Braden Co- and Braden Coburn who ended up retiring. But
1: Andy and Coburn was, was a seventh defenseman anyway. I mean, and
0: yeah, exactly Coburn was gone for depth. But in terms of. The core players who he traded for as the feature pieces in those trades, starting with Andy Green, who I think was the first trade that Lou made at the trade deadline for the Islanders. I know he did an off-season acquisition of Matt Martin in a minor deal, but Green ended up playing two more seasons for the Islanders. Pajot locked up for six years. Palmieri, a four-year deal. Horvat now starting an eight-year deal now, and now Pierre Engvall also. Um, I think they wanted to take a wait-and-see approach with Pierre Engvall, which made A lot of sense considering that he played down in the lineup in Toronto, had really good underlying numbers, was always considered to be a very serviceable utility player. But before committing term to a guy like that, they wanted to get a look under the hood. And they liked what they saw. I think the fan base, for the most part, liked what they saw with Pierre Engel. And I think most rational fans are excited about the fact that we have Pierre Engel locked up at a very reasonable number long term.
1: Yeah, it's so interesting because, you know, all the Lou haters, they look at the, the offseason, they look at the summer, and they think, we didn't do anything. We didn't do anything. And you're going, I, I just always point to how many free agent busts there are. Time and time and time. The vast majority of players that are signed in the offseason over the summer are paid too much money, are given too much term, and they're terrible contracts. Yes, are there a few out there that are absolutely home runs? Absolutely, without a doubt. But for the most part, when you overpay some, when you're paying somebody in the summer, you're overpaying them. You're giving them too much term, and it rarely works out. Um, you know, to me, I I love the idea of let's make our acquisitions during the season. And you know, you mentioned uh, Gauthier. Let's not overlook that now. Whether he starts you know, the, the season- other
0: thing, The other thing that people, by the way, also fail to. To bring up is the fact that they were able to offload Bailey with very minimal pain and damage done. A 2026 second rounder is not something that you're going to feel until maybe the year 2030. In terms of the. Yeah. Maybe maybe 2030, that 25% chance prospect of becoming a middle of the lineup player will show up and become something for Chicago. But we're talking about a player who was on an anchor of a contract that they not. Wanted to move. They needed to move him in order to be able to retain a player like Pierre Engvall. That was necessary in order to do that. Yeah, and then right? people coming at me saying, "Well, why didn't we look at Tarasenko? Why didn't we look at bring you know any random name?" It was not a very uh, beefy UFA class. Oh, this example. is an awful.
1: No, you're you're, you're being kind. This was an awful was UFA bad. class. It was bad.
0: Yeah, and I, I, you know, and I'll just you know, who do you want to subtract? Did, were you fine letting Engvall walk on the hopes that at 32, Tarasenko regains the form he had two years ago? Because he wasn't very good last year.
1: No, he's terrible. Me too, I mean, right? and, when... and also, by the way, are, are, are do we want to praise, like, you know, obviously being Islander fans, we love to make fun of the Rangers. How many years in a row are the Rangers going to make tr- uh, trade deadline acquisitions using future assets and then just letting those players go after three weeks, four weeks of play? Yeah. You know, how Andrew many how many, how many, many first and second round picks, how many prospects have they let go now? And those players are just gone.
0: Yeah, I mean, between Cop and Tarasenko, that alone, Cop Tarasenko, Kane is two first round picks and I think three second round picks, plus a really a pretty nice player in Morgan Barron. So, I mean, and those guys are gone. Those guys, you know, stayed for a song, did what they had to do. And in the case of Tarasenko and Kane, didn't even get very far.
1: No right. I mean, area, you can at least yeah. make argument the year before that the Rangers did make a, a run. Uh, you know, with, with you mentioned the contracts. Let's for very quickly. We'll look at the cap. Uh, according to cap friendly, we are just under five hundred thousand dollars over the cap, but we have twenty four players on the roster. So once we get rid of one player, we'll have about in all likelihood somewhere between four hundred thousand, maybe six hundred thousand, depending on who we waive. Um, which is which is fine because you look at the the way our 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 lineup sets up and our contract set up. The only contract that's going to get a bump next year is Sorokin, which is going to be a 4.25 million dollar raise, but we do get Matt Martin and Cal Clutterbuck, who at 3.25 come off the books. And yeah. the rumor is that next year's cap is going to go up about four million dollars.
0: Yeah, pretty much you have Sorokin's raise is going to be covered by the cap bump alone. And then you work on listen there might not even be a replacing Martin and clutterbuck because for all we know at some point during the season those players might actually be replaced
1: without a doubt and you mentioned fashing you mentioned Gautier. yeah you're talking got about
0: for two years they've got Gautier for two years both on league minimum deals I mean would we hate
1: a Suzeki Gautier fashing fourth line
0: I would the opposite of hate it I would love
1: it <laughs> yeah, I mean that would just be I mean that's a nightmare for any team uh well let's 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 talk about to uh, Gautier, let's talk about that acquisition. What does he bring to the table? Um, I remember he's a former first-round pick. Yep. The guy's big. Two picks after he, is a, he is big. He is fast. What hasn't he been able to put together? Was he not a great prospect? What's what's the story with this guy? So,
0: from I mean, I, I've kind of tracked his whole career. I remember when the Rangers made that trade. So the Rangers had an abundance of D prospects at the time. They had guys like D'Angelo and Nils Lundqvist and Keandre Miller. So they took one of their B-level defensive prospects, shipped him off to Carolina. The Rangers needed a forward. This was, I believe this was even pre, yeah, this was pre and pre Lafreniere, And they put him right into the lineup. He came from uh, the Canes minor league affiliate. The Rangers were not a playoff team at the time. They put him right in. Um, and then all of a sudden, Kako came. And a year later, Lafreniere came. And to me, I always looked at it like, okay, you have this guy who's got, like you said, freak athleticism, freak size. He comes from a bodybuilder family, as far as I'm aware, right? Guys who are 6'4", 230 pounds should not be able to skate the way he does. And I don't think he ever got a fair opportunity to earn any significant ice time with the Rangers above the, you know, really above the fourth line. An afterthought on the power play, nothing really much there. Very often scratched. At times, with show flashes of brilliance. The knock against him was always, he can't finish. Last year, he actually finished at an above 16% clip, Um, somewhere around 16.5%. He had nine goals in 50-some-odd games, all those goals coming at five-on-five. And the Rangers didn't really have any need for him. They wanted to bring back Tyler Mott, who was a fan favorite and a decent fourth-line plug on their playoff run. And they traded Gautier and a draft pick for Mott. And Gautier, he played decently with Ottawa. But, again, Ottawa, another one of those type of situations, just like the Rangers, where they have other forwards higher on their – Totem pole internally that they want to develop. Will Gautier evolve into something more than what he's been? Maybe not, but I do think that there is untapped potential, a la Pierre Engvall, where you just have a guy who's got good tools and and you know.
1: What's What's the What's the What's the absolute you know pipe dream upside on this guy at this point? I mean, listen, I, the, the pipe dream is
0: the pipe dream is Carter Verhage. Which again, Carter Verhage is a one in a million kind of guy, but if you look at what Carter Verhegee had to deal with, you know, And by,
1: you know, by the way, people at home, I, I don't want people losing their minds. You're not suggesting that 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 Gautier is going to turn into Verhage. That's not what he's no, saying. I, I asked for the absolute but, ceiling.
0: Yeah, no, but the but the pipe dream is that kind of story where you have a guy who's been, you know, who, who has just really good tools, who gets buried down on the depth chart, playing on good teams. Again, he was in Ottawa for a cup of coffee, and just shows up in a much more prominent role on a team that actually gives him a shot and plays his original potential. Right? He was picked first round in the draft for a reason. He was picked two two picks after Kiefer Bell is at twenty one. It's it's funny, oddly enough, the Islanders have now owned picks nineteen, twenty, and twenty one in the twenty sixteen draft because they have Chalowski too. So I guess they're they're determined to get some value out of twenty sixteen.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a draft that almost nobody got any value out of, by the way.
0: Exactly. Not a great draft. But I think the, the, the base case for this guy is just to be a very effective bottom of the line of who brings a lot of speed and tenaciousness.
1: Is he content in being that? I mean, that's the question I ask is, you know, there are players out there. When I look at him, he reminds me of Miles Wood. Now, he's a much bigger version of Miles Wood. But tenacious, big, fast. But like I said, he's bigger than Miles Wood. He's probably twenty-five, thirty pounds bigger than Miles Wood is. Um, but that kind of player, and a lot of you uh, Islander fans out there know Miles Wood from you know the big hit that Romanoff uh, laid on him. But Miles Wood is—I've always liked that guy. He's in Colorado now, um, and we can get to the Devils later on. But I do think they're going to miss him. I think Miles Wood is just a, a kind of—he's one of those bottom six players that you need. And the question I ask about Gauthier is, at this point in his career, he has to realize, you know, this is my chance. Uh, I'm on league minimum for two years. And if I want to be in this league for the next five years and I want one more decent deal, this is my last chance. Is he, I mean, could we see him being a Cal Clutterbuck replacement? And is he happy taking that role on?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. So after the their second preseason game in which he had that goal, he had a power play goal, I think it was Stefan who asked him um, what he's looking for this season on, on, and the challenge of fighting for a roster spot. And the exact quote I haven't pulled up here is, it's fun to play in the NHL, but it's also fun to play and have a good role. So that's what I'm fighting for right now. I want to make the most of the opportunity. The way to read into that is probably – I don't want to be the guy on the fourth line who's plugged in, comes in, comes out, spends 30 games in the press box. Right. The, he, he, doesn't want to, he doesn't right. want
1: to be the 13th forward. And by the right. way, I, I feel like fun. that, by the way, that's his floor. His floor is that we have a really fast, big energy player who's our 13th forward.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Anyway, continue on. Sorry.
0: But he, it, it sounds like he is up for the challenge of wanting to prove that he was taken in the first round for a reason and can can bring more to the table.
1: I mean i I'm excited about that. I know it kind of just went under the radar. You and I were talking about it during the off season. I, I just think it was the kind of the perfect setup when you look at our fourth line and you look at the aging and the ineffectiveness of Cal Clutterbuck, to me, somebody in that vein who can basically just send Ross off to the moon. Um yeah. I, I just feel like and the reason I like Gautier and, and Hudson Fashing by the way is There's two players that are kind of just happy to be there, want to carve out a role for themselves, but they're also incredibly versatile. I feel like either one of those players, and and, and again, I don't know a ton about Gautier yet. I watched him when he was at the Rangers. I think he's fast, he's big. But I'm do. i excited by the fact that with Hudson Fashing, and Julian Gautier, that are these two players that we could theoretically plug in anywhere. You mentioned Palmieri's injury. If Palmieri is out, could one of those guys play on the second line? for a week or two before Murray comes back. Um, you know, if we if something happens on the first line, I know you talked about it on Twitter, could we plug one of those guys in the first line? Is there a possibility there? If Cal Clutterbuck is ineffective, if Matt Martin gets injured, if Cal Clutterbuck is only effective if he plays 35 games, it, it, I feel like those are two players that are just incredibly, incredibly versatile. And anytime you have a Swiss Army knife, if you're a coach, you've got to love it, you know? And we have yeah, that I in Pajot, had... but I, I love the fact that we have a couple others that might be this, fill the same roles.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting that you bring that up because, if I'm not mistaken, I think they, they played Gautier with Pajot in the first game that he played. They played Gautier with Nelson a bit. And then last game, they plugged him in on the fourth line with Dezikas and Clutterbuck. I think they just want to get different looks at him in, in different situations and with different line mates uh, with the intention of, okay, this is going to be – a guy who's, who's versatile enough to play a number of different types of roles within our system, and we can com- confidently and comfortably plug him into any of them. Fashing, we already know. Fashing had great chemistry when he played with Sezikis. There were games where, I mean, you could argue that the goal that he scored to bring them within one of that last Pittsburgh game uh, that that Brock Nelson won in overtime, they were down 3-1. You could argue that that goal that he had from Sezikis uh, save the season, right? Yeah. You lose that game in regulation and all of a sudden Pittsburgh finishes ahead of you and, and who knows if if Carol if Florida has a little extra juice to get that win in the last game of the season playing for a playoff spot, right? So uh, there was tremendous chemistry there. We know that Fashing uh, showed well uh, with Pajot in the regular season. Not as much in the playoffs, but again, you know, playoffs are a different beast and it was his first taste of playoffs. I was going to gonna say, frankly,
1: that was his first time there. So he
0: yeah, and he he also played a, a fair bit amount with with Nelson and Lee in the regular season before they made the Engvall acquisition, and that was that was a tough line to play against. I mean, you had three guys with size, three guys who, who get to the net, um, and and they created opportunities, and and that was a pretty good line for a stretch over there. So, um, um, both right-handed shots. They, they <laughs> I think they wanted to make sure after last year they had. They had an instance where like I think Barzell, Wallstrom, and Clutterbuck, who now represent three out of their projected four starting right wingers, were all out at the same time. Right. So I think they wanted to kind of load up the right side with depth. And um, you know, we haven't even spoken about William Dufour, who, you know, might not be ready yet, but is someone who could potentially be a call up as as another right winger.
1: Uh, he's gonna be a he is gonna be a beast in the A this year. He's not ready I for think. the NHL yet. He's not ready for the NHL yet. But the more I watch him and the more I love his dogged determination, watching him skate this year compared to where he was last year just shows you how hard he's been working and how badly he wants it. He is going to be a beast in the A this year. And I, I think him, I think Maggio are going, to, are going to fight for roster spots next year. Uh, and We can talk Agreed. about that. And, and you look at Isaiah George, another player who's going to fight for a roster spot in probably two to three years.
0: Agreed. Um, yeah, it so, just looks like Dufour's downhill skating is a lot faster. When he gets going, oh, he he could fly.
1: Yeah, and it's just uh, he he wants it. Um, I, I listen, he's not better than Wallstrom right now, but if you ask me who's better in eighteen months, I'd say Dufour. You know, very possible. So, yeah, um, I mean, what are we, what, are we, what are we expecting from Wallstrom this year? By the way, I mean Wallstrom's coming back, and but I mean if Palmieri is healthy. I mean, I have two questions for you. Number one, first off, is what are we expecting from Wallstrom this year? I, I assume this is you know, shit or get up the pot year for Wallstrom. Um, at the same time, I kind of I, I wonder. And by the way, he signed a one year deal, so you know whether that was his doing, whether it's the Islanders doing, whether it's hey, let's Stephen see what we're not at. Gone
0: after, actually, Stefan, <laughs> Stefan released an exclusive. And by the way, today. shout
1: out to Steph, who's He's absolutely crushing it. I mean, just Probably. absolutely killing it. If you guys don't follow Steph on Twitter, you're crazy.
0: Yeah, no, Steph, Steph talked to him about it, and he, he basically said that he knew once the injury happened and missing more than half the season that this is what was going to be presented to him, and they never discussed the multi-year option, which it sounds like Wallstrom was somewhat disappointed by, but he genuinely understood where the organization was coming from. And it's, it's tough to put a number on what you want to commit to multiple years because from the Islanders' perspective, it would be like, all right, kid, You've never had more than twenty some odd points in a season. You only played thirty five games this year. You want a multi year deal? Fine, two years, eight hundred thousand. That sounds good to you. I mean, they, I mean, he,
1: maybe he would have got two years nine fifty, but at that point, yeah. why not just sign the one year deal and just see yeah, what I mean, happens?
0: Well, sign one year deal, bet on yourself, and see if you can you know make a couple million extra bucks over the next.
1: So, what are we weeks. expecting from him? I mean, and I'll and I'll follow up the question with if Palmieri is healthy, is Wallstrom even a lock to be in the lineup? I don't even know if he's a lot
0: to be in the lineup without Palmieri. (laughs) I think a lot of that depends on what they want to do with Simon Holmstrom, who they've been using um, in the top six.
1: I'm high on, I, I, listen, I I don't know what Holmstrom's offensive upside is, but the kid looked great before his knee injury. He was never the same after the knee injury. Um, He can't hit the frigging net, which is driving me insane, but I, I, I like his skating. I like his defensive responsibility. Um, I, I don't know if, I'll put it away, I don't know if Wallstrom is better than him.
0: Yeah. I mean, when you look at the, you know, in totality what they bring to the table, he might not be, right? So there's a real situation where you can have, even with a Palmieri injury, all of fashion, Gautier, and Holmstrom in the lineup and, and Wallstrom, you know, on the outs. What I'm expecting from him is for him to work his ass off and show Lane why he should be in the roster, uh, uh, in the lineup, and not be taken out of the lineup. And anything short of that would just be a massive disappointment, right? And if we get to a point 10, 12 games in, where all of a sudden he's healthy scratched, or if he doesn't make the opening night lineup to begin with, um, you know, that to me would indicate that we're getting closer to the point where the ship has sailed. Because right now, with Palmieri healthy, the two most immediate dangers to you as a, as a right-handed shot are Fashing and Gauthier, who are also right-handed shots. Again, assuming that Clutterbuck's fourth-line spot is, is signed and sealed up until the point where he, has his first IR stint, which it probably is.
1: Right, well, because, and by the way, neither one of us—and I'm speaking for you here—and I would have Clutterbuck in the lineup. Okay, that's no. that said. I think we know it's going to happen. He's going to be in the lineup. Um, the bad sorry, news, I'm the good sorry. news. Right, the start. That's the thing. All the all the island fans out there, and I, I tweeted Steph a couple of days ago about this, and I said, "Don't panic, everybody. It's September. It's October. Sorry." the lineup that we see on opening day, October 14th, is not necessarily the lineup. It's definitely not going to be the lineup we see in February and March and April. Um, yeah. And there's a really good chance that Cal Clutterbuck and Matt Martin are in that lineup in October. And at least one of them, if not both of them, are not in the lineup come April.
0: 100%. Similar to Josh Bailey, right? And, you know, Lane has talked about wanting to see more pace, wanting to see more speed in the lineup, right? And we have a template that we've seen from him of his handling of Josh Bailey. Right. If you're a veteran and you're not getting it done, Lane has shown that he's you know, I, I, I knocked on Lane a lot last year. But to his credit, he cut the cord on Josh when when there was nothing left to salvage there.
1: Yeah. A lot of by the way, a lot of fans always say like, oh, he would and Lou, and, and then they're too loyal to their, their, their what do you mean? They benched yeah. Bailey, and he had no. I mean, he literally benched Bailey, so his thousandth game would be on the road. Yeah, I yeah. mean, kind
0: of a dick move. I mean, it was a dick
1: we... move, but gloves off. I mean, it's gloves off, and you look <laughs> at it and go, uh, you just know you go. I he has no allegiance to Cal Connor Yeah, I mean, we had we had Nikita
0: Sashnikov and Kiefer Bellows in our opening night lineup last year. So again, to your point, like let's relax about the eighteen skaters we see on the ice. On October fourteenth, because there is a one hundred percent chance that it will look different, like Dave said, in, in the winter. Um, but back to Wallstrom, like so. So aside from the immediate competition he has, like we just pointed out, like there are two other right-handed shots off the roster right now, and and Maggio, who the organization probably wants to make room for um, on on the big club. And sure, Palmieri's contract is going to come to an end within the next two years, but at some point, you know, it's, it's going to be down to at most two out of four of those five players. Yeah. Uh, you only have 12, you only have 12 forward spots. You're not, <laughs> you're not going to run into a situation where you have all of Wallstrom, Gauthier, Maggio, Dufour in an NHL lineup in two, three years from now.
1: I'm, by the way, um, I'm, I'm really excited about one thing this year. Over the last couple of years, Islander fans, we've had to endure nights of Otto Coivola and Andy Andreoff, and... Who's in uh, Russia now? uh, Random just just AHL players who clearly were not NHL players. I will say we have depth at goaltender, clearly, by re-signing Barley, and our forward depth right now is phenomenal. Now, I'm not saying, listen, do we have... uh, would, Would I love to have a Pasternak? Of course. Who wouldn't? We don't have that. But you could argue that our 13th, 14th forward spots are quite strong right now. Um, we've got to have three or four injuries, I think, before we're really digging down to the bottom. Um, and, and and if needed, and we have to go down to get, and get DuFour four for a few games, it's not the end of the world, I don't think, like it was last year.
0: I mean, there are other decent depth options they brought in. I, I mean, not to spend too much time Tanner Fritz! forget now he's, he's on an <laughs> AHL deal but I thought, I thought Carson Kuhlman as a as a fifth center yeah um or a sixth center was it was a pretty nifty add a guy who's got over 100 NHL games who's a serviceable depth player who's played on good teams and he played a lot on Winnipeg Yeah,
1: yeah, no, 28-year-old year. on a minimum deal.
0: He's been he's been in the playoffs before so
1: By the way, it's I so mean, it's so loo just to get like listen, I'm going to I'm going to sign these kind of like no risk players and you know, hopefully, you know, one or two stick
0: door, you know, and you go even further, you know, Deronda would probably show better in his second year if he had, you know, the need or opportunity for a guy like Deronda to get in there. So,
1: so our uh, forward depth is I'm, I'm quite excited about it. Yeah, uh, where I'm,
0: I'm wary of our defensive depth. I was
1: about to get that <laughs> defensive depth. You could argue that not only do we not have defensive depth, we really only have five viable defensemen. Even you could make an argument.
0: Yeah. I mean I thought Ajo played better in the second half of last season. I didn't yeah. love him in the playoffs. I mean some some moments he had. As a sixth defenseman, I, I don't think he's I don't think he's a disaster as a sixth defenseman, but you run into trouble if you're missing one of Pelican Pollock. I think Lane intentionally had most of the defense unit out last night, um, against the Devils.
1: By the way, we With are recording quick... this we're recording this uh late October third. Um, for those of you who are wondering, let's say there, if, if some news does come out on the fourth or the fifth, and, and we've ignored it, that's why. Just so everybody knows. Continue on. Sorry. But I think
0: that there was, you know, something intentional about Lane getting a look at the other four defensemen and the other five defensemen. Dobson didn't play either. Now I think about it, but without Adam Pellick. right? Just to see, all right, what does it look like when you're have Pellick in the lineup? And and it looks bad. You know, when it looks bad when you're missing. A <laughs> of Paul, those are just hard guys to replace, and unless a guy like Samuel Bolduc. Um, or, or I mean, I've kind of given up on Robin Sallow, but someone of that ilk is able to step up and fill those shoes in a big way. All of a sudden, you miss one of Pelican Pulak. Yeah,
1: I'm, I'm, high I'm high on yeah, George. I'm high on George, but he's he's a couple of years away at least. He's a couple uh, of years away, right?
0: Yeah, you would have. That's our years. that's our
1: danger. I mean, honestly, if you're if you're Lou, and again, I'm not panicked because it's October, and I know Lou will yep. do his job. Um, but if you look at this roster and you go, where, where do we need help? And it's clearly one more defenseman. Yeah. I mean,
0: again, it's way too early to get to trade deadline, but if we were looking at a situation where again, the Islanders are competitive and they're in the mix and things are looking a little bit grim in Calgary, like I would not rule out a scenario where he goes hard after a guy like Noah Hannafin. He has a penchant for trading for going after and trading and signing guys who are, the coveted trade deadline piece, the coveted pending UFA item and going and getting it done. So I mean, I know everyone says, oh, loose, it's on his hands. He never does anything. It's it's simply not true. It's just this mirage that appears that way where had he signed Bo Horvat on July first, you know, we would have made a ticker tape parade down the Canyon of Heroes of the Islander signing the biggest. Is isn't that
1: isn't the funniest ball. thing? It's like if we yeah. hadn't tra- if he hadn't traded for Bo when he did, which is uh, during the, the all star break and and Bo got traded somewhere else. Let's say Bo got traded to Boston and Boston didn't re sign him and then Lou signed him during the during the summer. Everybody would be thrilled. But because we yeah. traded for it's it's beyond it's And at crazy. the same time if think about it the other way.
0: Think about okay, we didn't trade for him and then we didn't sign him. He would have been raked over the coals, right? We didn't trade for Bo Horvat. Not only do we not trade for him, he ended up going to free agency, and then we didn't sign him. Oh, he ended up in Colorado, or he ended up in Boston, or New he Jersey, or New Jersey, wherever. Like raked over the coals. But because yeah. we traded for him and signed him in a window determined or deemed by the fan base not to be relevant as it pertains to free agent acquisitions, all of a sudden we did nothing. And I also, I always, and by the way,
1: Horvat and Barzal, if they stay healthy this year. They're going to have a very good season. I mean, it's funny how in years past we've been talking about, well, who's the third guy in that Barzal line? But it was always Barzal, Lee, and who's the third? Now people are just hating on the Lee side of it. So you're going, okay, wow. I mean, listen, give me Horvat and, and Barzal. The third, we'll figure that out. We'll figure whether it ends out. up being Holmstrom, whether it ends up being Wallstrom, whether it ends up being Lee, whether it ends up being Gauthier. Right. If, if that will work out. If those two stay healthy, they're gonna have a special year. Uh, let's talk about really quick your, your very quickly, your 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 prediction on what the lineup will look like on opening night and what is your favorite lineup? What do you want it to be?
0: Yeah. So I mean we're we're gonna go with the assumption that Paul Mary, who has not participated, is not playing on opening night. Uh, but but when Paul Mary comes back, obviously we want that engvall Nelson Palmary line. My prediction is I think they're going to go Lee, Barzell, Horvat. They're going to go Engvall, Nelson. I'm going to say Wallstrom.
1: Okay, I wow. Want
0: I, I think they're going to want it to work. I think they're going to put Wallstrom They're going to give
1: him a shot. Right, okay.
0: I think they're going to give him that shot. Um, I'm going to go with Fashing, Pajot, Gautier. I like that line. As a, as a third line. And Martin, Sizikas Clutterbuck, Holmstrom, and Holmstrom's, not, 13, and
1: Holmstrom's 13.
0: Yeah, I'm not necessarily sending Holmstrom down to the AHL for two reasons. Number one, I think developmentally, he might be at the point where, like, from an AHL standpoint, overcooked. And yeah. I, don't know how much, I'm not, I don't know how much there is for him to gain from a fifth season playing in the AHL. The other consideration is just from a accrual standpoint. So if you're going to start with Kyle Palmieri on injured reserve, they're not able to – right now, have 23 players plus Kyle Palmieri on IR. They could do 22 plus Palmieri on IR. They can't do 23. In order to bank enough cap space, to get to the point where you could start putting players on IR and have 24, they need to have Ross Johnston off the roster, and they need to have lower cap hits so that they could start banking. And Does accelerate. Ross get
1: claimed if we waive him?
0: No. No. Not, not with three years on his deal.
1: No. So he just goes down to the minors? I mean, at this yeah. point, at this point, you just got to look at it and go. You, he literally offers nothing. He can't even fight anymore. Yeah. He got his ass kicked in the other night by a 21 year old.
0: <laughs> no, I, I don't think he gets claimed. I think, I think the term on that contract. I mean, what's was, he doesn't even was, fight anymore.
1: What's the point of him? What know. is his purpose? I don't. I 1.1 million. It's like let him go. Save the four. you saved the three hundred thousand dollars. Okay. And uh, what would? What's your hope? That's the prediction. I don't disagree with you. By the way. What's your? I mean, what's your your hope for opening night? Like consuming Palmieri is not healthy.
0: I mean, my my only the only change I would make. Again, my hope would be that they have the, they have the guts to bench one of Martin and Cal and get Holmstrom in the lineup. Like I don't necessarily care as much as most fans do as to whether Lee starts with Barzell and Horvat or if it's Holmstrom or if it's Wallstrom. Like, sure, try someone else. But in terms of the twelve players I want in the lineup, I'd much rather have. Holmstrom in the lineup over Cal Clutterbuck. Can I
1: quickly touch on Anders Lee for a moment before everybody reads his eulogy? Go ahead. I I know he appears slow. I know you guys look at him, and I know you think, this guy can't play with Barzal. He's too freaking slow. He's an anchor for that line. Meanwhile, the guy just scores goals. And when you have playmakers like Bo Horvat and Barzal, don't you want somebody on their line who scores goals? I mean... (laughs) I mean, just year after year, the guy pots twenty-eight, thirty goals a year. Um, is he going to get him in bunches and then have? Yes, that's the definition of hockey. I mean, unless you're a forty-goal scorer, you go you go through spells where you don't score a lot. It has to happen because you're only scoring twenty-five or twenty-eight or thirty a year. Um, I I I don't know. To me, it's just amazing how people are like Anders Lee. I don't know. He should be a third liner. Really? How many third liners score twenty-eight a year every year?
0: I mean, here's here's an interesting scenario, and I, I saw saw Stottle rant a reason, and he tweeted it out, and it was something that I was actually thinking about. Depending on how long Paul Mary's out, let's say Paul Mary's out 10, 12 games, and all of a sudden you either have Wallström or whomever, Fashion, and Gauthier, who develop really good chemistry with Engel and Nelson to the point where it's like, all right, let's let's not touch that line. Like we know how good it is with Paul Mary, but that's working, and let's just say whomever that they put with Horvat and Nelson uh, and and Barzell just isn't working, then. I mean, you have a scenario where you could just say, "Hey, let's just plug Paul on his off wing yeah. with."
1: I, well, I think or- I'd do the opposite. I'd put Barzal on his off wing,
0: or our Barzal on his off wing. Barzal played
1: might. left wing the, the other night at the preseason in New Jersey.
0: Oh, did he? He, he did Lugan for a Lugan little Lugan.
1: bit. Okay. He played. He sure. played left wing for a little bit, and I, I mean, honestly, it's it's not like Barzal's in the game for his. Uh, <laughs> right. They
0: put they they put Wallstrom up there. I heard for. Yeah, I point.
1: don't. I don't see. I, I have no problem with him being on his off wing. Um, I I just don't think. Offense, I always kind of point this out to people. I go, while in your zone, centers are playing a particular position and wingers are playing a particular position, once you get into the offensive zone, I mean, a lot of it's like F1, F2, F3. Who's first at the puck? Yeah. Who's second at the puck? You know, who's high guy? They're moving around. So, I, I just don't think – and, and Barzal obviously, even if they put him at wing, I can't imagine a scenario where the coaching staff hasn't told him, like, hey, you have the freedom to do what you want offensively.
0: Yeah. I mean, I kind of look at him as like a a Panarin-type player. Yeah. Play play the off-wing, you know, kind of opens up different kinds of looks from his weak side. Right. Probably better passing lanes as opposed to passing across your body. Um, I I, I
1: genuinely I think it's it's totally fine, yeah. Because he can he can also on on his off wing he can you know if, if players over if they overplay the sharp turn or him going to the outside he can cut to the middle. Um, you know we'll see if he can. If he obviously, does attack the middle or not this year, but I I, I don't hate that. You know, I I think that's, that's certainly a shout. Part of me thinks that the Nelson Engvall, Palmieri line works so well, and this is not a, a, a slight on Palmieri because I love what he brings to the game. I, I think. Him being injured last year was was really hurtful for the team, but I, I do think Engvall and Nelson could probably play with almost anybody. Yeah, I think Engvall they look did. so good those two together. He, yeah, Engvall just you See that goal by. last night. I First saw a highlight
0: of it. He's just. He's just
1: Pollock playing. made a great play. Pollock made a great play. Uh, guy lost a stick. Passed to Engvall. Engvall holds, 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 and just finds Nelson wide open in front of the net. You got two guys. Uh, they're both. They're both six foot five. They can both skate. Barton, Nelson's a great finisher. I, I I just love those two together.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Everyone's um, results got boosted the moment they put um, Engval with them, and the same was true for the Leafs, right? They, I mean, they showed the you know pre and post Engval analytics of of their David Camp line, and Camp was a shell of a player without Engval, uh, who. Apparently did a lot of the the defensive dirty work on the least shutdown line, and that's something that hurt them in the playoffs.
1: Hey, once again, you are listening to the Red Line. We'll be here all year long, one uh, uh, hopefully one show a week and as I mentioned, we're presented by Isles Fix, your only daily New York Islanders newsletter. Subscribe at islesfix.substack.com Most of our podcasts will be a little bit shorter, but since this is the first one and we got a lot to cover, I figured we'd go into a a few other things here. Uh, Talk about the Metro just for a second. Where do you see the Islanders stacking up in that? Who's up? Who's down?
0: I've been firm in my belief that they can and they will beat out the Rangers for the third spot. I think Devils who's and Canes, I'm not I'm not sure who's one. I'm not sure who's two, but probably Devils one and Canes two, I'm going to say. Um, I think the Devils will be a very good regular season team again. Um, I want the Islanders at third. Rangers for Pittsburgh. I don't know why anyone's buying into this Pittsburgh renaissance just because they got Eric Carlson, who has been good for a grand total of one of his past four seasons. Right. It's like we just we just deleted the previous three seasons because on a team playing for nothing, he decided to ball out, you know, accrue a negative 72 rating and, you know, get as many points as humanly possible so he could get traded out of that (laughs) shithole. And all of a sudden it's like, all right, let's just focus and, you know, let's let's zoom in on on that alone and, and disregard everything else. And the fact that this guy doesn't play a shred of defense, which is something that Pittsburgh needed, I have. I'm torn on this. I'm gonna say Washington six, but it could easily see it wow. being Columbus. I could easily see it being Columbus. Um Columbus seven, Philly eight. I think Philly's for sure the worst. Philly's team.
1: terrible. Columbus should Philly's be better. Terrible. They Columbus should be better. They short up their defense a little bit. Um Washington's obviously It's not even far. about that.
0: I think they had just like awful injury luck last year, right? So yeah, they, they lost Lorenz, they're, yeah, no, they're just not. Yeah, no, I know.
1: They're just not I mean Patrick a Johnny Gaudreau, I mean, I just, I'm not a big believer in, in, in what their team does from a, you know, I, I just think they're more interested. They'd almost rather lose the game 5-3, but score a couple of goals than win the game.
0: Right. You don't uh, like how they're built philosophically. No, not at
1: all. I, I hate how they're built philosophically. Um, the Devils are an interesting team. I don't want to get into too much on the other teams because uh, we'll go on for hours and hours. But I I, I, I think the Devils might, I might, and I knew you and I disagree on this. As long as Jack Hughes is healthy, that team's going to be a friggin'. That team's going to be a handful. They're just—he's so good right now. He's on another. They're level. never out of the game. I
0: no, mean, he's just really... on.
1: He is literally on another level. He is now i i would say top five in the world right now. He's just so good. Um, everything yeah. he does, he's just an amazing player. Uh, he also, you know, weighs 170 pounds soaking wet. So, you know, can he stay healthy? Uh, but I do think their defense. I think they're going to have some growing pains on defense. I, I don't think you. I don't think you let veterans go, and you bring in the youth that they're bringing in. Now, don't mistake the youth they're bringing is is insanely talented, but right. they're still kids, and they're playing against men now. And while you'll see, I, I think you're going to see moments of brilliance from Luke Hughes and and, and the rest of that team. I, I do think you're going to see some some uh, some growing pains as well. Um, I, I still think regular season they'll be fine. But I, I, I do think that this is a team that might take a slight step, to, a slight step back from yes last year, and also not do very well in the playoffs. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's true. See, uh, not Siegenthaler, but Severson was certainly a very good player for them last year. And... I mean, they lost
1: Graves too. I'm not saying right. Graves is great, but I mean, you lose two veteran men. They Dependent. lost. They lost right. men, and they replaced them with basically overgrown boys.
0: Right. Two guys who are going to be playing on top pairs for other Metro teams. I think Graves is playing with Latang, and, or or either their top pair or their second pair with Carlson and then you're going to have uh, with Wierenski, I think, is where they're putting Severson.
1: I mean, that's my my only thought about that was, I go, listen, I'm not going to, they're insanely talented. They're going to be fun to watch. As long as Jack Hughes is healthy, they're going to do fine. Um, But I do think they take a slight step back. Uh, I mean, Boston, you know, you look at the rest of the East, I, I I don't even know who's playing Who's playing center for them.
0: <laughs> Zaka, Coyle, Morgan Geeky, and probably someone we've never heard of. It's, they've got the worst, and again, no hyperbole here, they have the worst center depth in
1: the NHL. Um, I, I thought Tampa Bay was going to take a step back before the Vasilevsky injury. I mean, I already thought they were going to take a step back. Now yeah. now the Vasilevsky injury. I mean, you just look at the East and, and you think, okay, there's some places there. I mean, I... Uh, which brings me to my next thing. Um, you know, it's before the season and still an opportunity to uh, to wager on some of these these teams. And I'm not going to lie. Um, I, I, a lot of my friends will always say, how can you bet on the team you love, the Islanders? And I go, well, why wouldn't I? It's the team I know the most about. Right? Right. Right. Um, I, I have bet against them in the past. I bet for them in the past. Right? It's To me, it's about, you know, money and fandom are different things. And I will wholeheartedly tell you that one of my favorite bets of the year only second to my under bet on the Oakland Athletics, I had under 59 and a half wins in the Oakland Athletics, they won 50, uh, is the Islanders over 92 and a half points. Um, I like it. I think it is mind-bogglingly low. It doesn't make any sense to me. It's almost as if the handicappers are completely dismissing the fact that Barzal was out 25 games, Pelik was out 25 games, Palmieri was out a bunch, Pajot was out a bunch, up was out a bunch, and we only had Horvat and Engvall for twenty-five games each. Now, listen. If all of these players get injured again, then yes, we might only get ninety-one points.
0: Right. It's funny because <laughs> how do they square? How do the how do the odds makers square having Sorokin as the Vesna favorite with a team slated to get under? Thank 92? you.
1: Right? I mean, how is that even possible?
0: Those two can't exist together. I don't. Literally
1: think. can't exist. There's no way that Sorokin can win the Vesna. If the Islanders don't, if the Islanders get 91 points and don't make the playoffs.
0: Right. Yeah. In a season where Sorokin was the investor runner up and any player that a of, of value that could have got injured other than Brock Nelson did get injured. They still got 93 points.
1: I mean, that's that. That's what I'm looking at. I'm going. So yeah. Worst case scenario. Palmieri, Pelic, Barzal, Wallstrom, All gone. For significant, if not the entire season, essentially, and we only had we had under thirty games of Engvall and Horvat, who were you're talking about two top six players for us now?
0: Yeah, I, 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 I honestly, if if they have relatively good health, I see them somewhere between one hundred two and one hundred five points.
1: How concerned are you about the coaching? The coaching was abysmal last year. Let's not sugarcoat it. Do you Again, do we think Lane Do we think Lane Lambert learns? I mean, listen, he was a rookie last year; it was his first year. Do we think he learned?
0: I hope so. I mean, I, I think there's something to, um, you know, kind of identifying mistakes and being able to eliminate them. He's clearly not unaware of the fact that the power play was a dumpster fire and has claimed accountability for it. And he said that's something that he personally is going to be more involved in and, and hopefully that gets better. And again, like let's, let's point that out too, right? The 30th ranked power play and they still made the playoffs, which means that, if they could just get that thing up to like
1: 22. twenty
0: twentieth, <laughs> yeah, yeah, get that thing up from thirty to twenty. Like, there's no reason, and there's, no reason, it, and there's then, no
1: reason it shouldn't be.
0: No reason it shouldn't be. They were twelfth the year before with with without Bo Horvat, right? I mean, twelfth. If if they get twelfth, then all of a sudden you're you're cooking with gas uh, because they were a pretty good five on five scoring team. They were uh, yeah. great. Right so
1: I, I'll come out and say that somebody asked me this on Twitter today, and I said. They said, "Oh, what about like you know, alternate lines over one hundred points?" And I said, "Listen, I, I haven't seen that line yet, but I would, I think it's more likely Allen's get over one hundred points than under ninety two and a half." Agreed. I would say, Agreed. like to me, ninety seven to one hundred and six points is that's that's the numbers I am looking at. The most yeah. like the most likely scenario right around one hundred and one points, somewhere in that neighborhood. Um, but I, I'd say ninety seven to one hundred and six is is. Uh, I I just think under ninety two and a half is it would catastrophe something really really awful happens.
0: Yeah, and I'll also point out that I think there are all there there are coaches in the league who are not necessarily great coaches who are able to coach their teams and get their teams to good regular season results. I think you know examples of this would be I I have no respect for Sheldon Keith. I think he's a terrible coach, but I just think he has a really good roster. I think the same for Jay Woodcroft in, in Edmonton, who falls apart every single time they get to the postseason. Gallant has historically been, you know, just bad in the postseason, makes very puzzling decisions, but you give him a good roster and he's able to get them there. So you've seen coaches who are, you know, mediocre in some areas and just get by based on the talents of their team. Not that the Islanders are some superstar roster, but I think they're they're deep enough and solid enough up front and in net where if you were able to get last year's squad to 93 points, I don't see why it should be much harder to get this team to four or five more wins.
1: Yeah, I, I, honestly, like I said, I mean, uh, this is just my advice. Do with what you will. But I, I am backing up the truck on over 92.5 points for uh, for the New York Islanders. Some other fun bets, I will say. If you like Engvall, uh, Brock Nelson, by the way, right now is uh, – where is he right now? I had him on the thing. Hold on. He is uh over over under 65 and a half points.
0: Interesting. I I, would, I think I would take the over on that. If he's healthy, he should hit that.
1: Right. I mean, it, it, a whole a whole season with Engvall.
0: What what's the what's the Engvall line?
1: I there's no Engvall line. I can't. I mean, I'm sure there is somewhere, but oh. I can't find that one. But I'm saying a whole season of of, of Engvall and Brock Nelson's wing, though. Uh, you gotta like that one. Uh, and just a fun one, uh, Connor Bedard. Uh, He is minus 140 to win the Calder and his over under on his points for the season are sixty eight and a half.
0: He's only minus 140 to win the Calder.
1: Well, I mean, there's still, I mean, listen, he misses 25 games. He doesn't win it.
0: True. True. You know what I mean?
1: He, we, he weighs, he weighs 165, you know?
0: Right. They're basically an getting,
1: injury. I mean, you've got it, right? Yeah. Okay.
0: Fair enough. Are there any other rookies that could threaten for it regardless of that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, th- I I think so. I mean, okay, so I'll throw this at you just for fun. Um, I mean, listen, I think I, I think Connor wins it if he wins if he stays healthy.
0: Uh, yeah, he's just sure.
1: he's just so good. Um, but I, I mean, I think you'd be I, I think you'd be crazy to completely dismiss like a Logan Cooley, who's going to get, you know, power play one minutes and uh, a, a ton of time. Um, I, I think De- uh, uh, Devin Levi in Buffalo. If now I am not s I am not buying Buffalo. But if no. you're buying Buffalo, and I know a lot of people are, if you buy Buffalo and Buffalo makes the playoffs, and Levi is the goalie there. You know I'm a couple cycles on that. Um, you know, I mean I I think that's pretty much like you know, uh I always mess the guy's name up. I mean, maybe uh David uh Jurczyk, the uh uh, top uh, Columbus, right? Columbus defenseman. The problem with him is they just, he's not going to get power play time as much as he would have. No, nah, they got Warensky
0: on that top unit, right? Right,
1: right. So, I mean, I think that's basically what you're looking at. I mean, Adam Fantilli a little bit. You know, he, he he's, nah. a, he's an animal. I mean, that kid's amazing.
0: Sure, but you wouldn't take him over Bedard.
1: No, but I mean, keep in mind that Fantilli is plus 1200, Bedard is minus yeah. 140. So. For sure. Okay. You know, for the value you're you're looking at, it. I'm just saying if Bedard were to get help, get were to get injured,
0: who you're are the so players? Think, right, who are right. the
1: players behind you? Um, I mean, Luke Hughes is is plus seven hundred. He's actually the second favorite right now. I, I don't see it because I don't think he gets power play one time. Does he? Not with, um, Dougie, not with Dougie there, right?
0: No, not with Dougie. No, no chance. So I feel like it's all it's always so much harder for a defenseman and a goalie to win it regardless. They the voters usually default to points.
1: Yeah, I mean listen, if Bedard doesn't win, my pick would probably be Logan Cooley. Okay. But I, I like I said, I mean, at minus one forty, I'm probably just betting on Bedard.
0: Seems I, like a reason for
1: that. Yeah, I mean I think the kid might not, he might only get sixty five points, but he's probably gonna get thirty goals. And you score thirty goals as a rookie, you're just gonna get it. I mean, that kid is just uh, he he is something special. There's no doubt about it. Um if you if you have a chance to go watch him, watch him. He is that good.
0: When he comes to Toronto,
1: I, I hope to be in the building. Yeah, no, you should be for sure. Um I think that pretty much covers everything we wanted to talk about today. Yeah? Absolutely. Okay, great. Yeah. Well, Uh, I am excited. Listen, uh, NHL season is uh, less than a week away. Islander season is about 10 days away. Uh, This is our our first episode of The Red Line. We're going to be here all season. Again, if you have any questions for Phil or myself, you can tweet him at Phil's Facts. I am at Tuck on Sports. I want to thank all of you for joining us, and uh, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.